what if I told you that there was something you could do today that would cause you to wake up tomorrow 10 pounds lighter? If I told you I had the answer for that, I'd probably be a rich man. But tomorrow when you wake up, you'd want your money back. Because we understand that's not how it works, right? We understand that good health comes through continual good habits. But it's hard to stick with habits. I mean, we we make these New Year's resolutions. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to focus on this. I'm going to focus on that. But it's hard because we begin that thing we want to do. And the next day we wake up and things don't look that much different. We don't see that instant change. And so we get discouraged and we throw in the towel. Did you know it is like that when it comes to spiritual habits? We have good intentions. We're going to start doing the things God's told us to do. And we get started. And the next day, everything looks the same. We don't see instant change. And so we think, well, I'll let these things fall by the wayside. If we could only see what God does in our lives years down the road, if we implement spiritual habits today, we would be much more faithful. So we need to keep that long-term view. If we do the things God's told us to do, what will be the result not only tomorrow, but what will be the result ten years from now? If you could only see the difference that it will make, you'll keep on keeping on. So keeping that in mind, I want you to turn with me To Luke chapter 18, Luke chapter 18, we are beginning a sermon series this morning titled Habits of Grace, Habits of Grace. We're going to go through January and a little bit into February with this sermon series. And then in February, we will begin, Lord willing, a study through the book of Galatians. I'm very excited about that. We're going to go line by line, verse by verse, taking our time, walking through the book of Galatians. So that is coming up. But look with me in Luke chapter 18, verse 35. Luke chapter 18, verse 35. I want to ask you this morning, if you're physically able, to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word. Luke 18, verse 35. The Bible says, As he, being Jesus, drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. Hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, oh, I love this question. What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, recover your sight, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him and glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name, knowing, Lord, that we need you in this moment. Would you draw near to us? 
would you open the eyes of our hearts by your spirit that we would see your truth, that we would see your power, that we would glean the riches of our inheritance in Christ. Open our eyes. And then, Lord, would you incline our hearts to respond to what you show us. And we'll thank you and praise you for that grace. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. A habit is something that a person does often in a regular and repeated way. There are bad habits. There are annoying habits. But there are good habits. And there are spiritual habits that God wants us to live out. A habit is something that a person does often in a regular and repeated way. There are some things, I want you to hear me clearly... There are some things God has told us to do that will be the means through which God grows us into spiritual maturity. And if you do those things continually, consistently, you will see growth. If you don't do those things, if those things are not habits in your life, then you will see a stagnation in your spiritual journey. And so there are some things God has told us to do. You often hear these things called Spiritual disciplines, spiritual disciplines, that's the term that's, that's most often used that I've heard in the body of Christ. That's, that's how I've referred to these habits, spiritual disciplines. But I want to, this morning and in this sermon series, I want to rebrand those things called spiritual disciplines. And I want to call them habits of grace. Habits of grace. I'll show you why as we work through this sermon, why I want to call them habits of grace. But spiritual discipline sounds a little bit like, you know, homework, doesn't it? It sounds about as exciting as going and taking the ACT, right? Spiritual disciplines. That, that doesn't sound real exciting. There are some disciplines we need to have in our life, and we need to have habits and be continual and consistent. But spiritual disciplines just doesn't capture your heart and your your, uh, your, your spirit. But this term, habits of grace, I believe is a great term to refer to these things God has given us to do that are means through which he grows us. Now, this phrase, habits of grace, is not original with me. Uh, last year, I read a book by this title by a man named David Mathis, and he helped me to, to think through this and to begin to use this phrase, habits of grace. And here's what I want you to understand. When you practice these habits that God has given you, when you do what God has told you to do, when you implement the means God has given you to grow, you are listening, listening, positioning yourself for joy and transformation. When you do what God's told you to do, you are positioning yourself for joy and for transformation. Why was Bartimaeus, that's his name, it was given us in the book of Mark that we just read about in Luke, why was Bartimaeus transformed? Why was a blind man given his sight? Because he was in Jesus' path, and he encountered him. And when you do the things God's told you to do, listen, you are putting yourself in Jesus' path to encounter him. And to see the transformation he makes day by day and over time. So I want to just 
discuss these habits of grace with you today. And we're going to kind of unpack them in the coming days. But I want to discuss these habits under two headings. First of all, I want to give you a definition. And then I want to give you a word of encouragement. Because when it comes to these habits, we need that encouragement. So first of all, let's define what we mean specifically by habits of grace. And I wrote a long sentence about these habits. Uh, And so what I've done is I've kind of broken down this sentence to help you to understand uh, what I mean by it. So let me give you this sentence uh, piece by piece. First of all, habits of grace are God-ordained practices. Habits of grace are God-ordained practices. There are things God has told us to do that bring about an encounter with Christ that, that are the means through which God changes us and makes us more like Jesus. For example, in John 17, the high priestly prayer of Christ, Jesus is praying for his disciples those that were there with him in that time, but also all of his disciples that would come to know him through the message of the gospel. And in John 17, verse 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them, change them, set them apart by your truth. And then he says, Your word is truth. So how does God sanctify? How does God set us apart? How does God change us? The Bible says, Jesus says, By your word. If the word of God, we'll talk about this next week, if the word of God is not a consistent part of your life, you'll not experience the sanctifying work of Christ that you could if you were engaging the Bible. Over in 1 Peter, we're told in chapter 2 to, to long for the pure milk of the word that by it we may grow. In respect to salvation. Just like a baby needs milk to grow and and to flourish, we need the Word of God so that we can grow in Christ. So the Word is is, is something God has told us to engage if we are going to be changed. I think about what Jesus said over in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6. He says something interesting. He doesn't say... If you pray, Jesus says, listen, when you pray, pray like this. You know, Jesus just assumed that his followers would pray. It it, it doesn't make sense for a follower of Christ not to be a person of prayer. It just just doesn't add up. It's not logical. He says, when you pray, pray like this. He gave us the... The model prayer, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, kingdom come, will be done. We'll talk a lot about that as we talk about prayer in a few weeks. But Jesus says, when you pray. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17 says, when you pray, pray continually or pray without ceasing. In other words, an attitude of prayer should be the the, the focus of our lives. We should be people of prayer prayer. So we see this emphasis on the Word. We see the emphasis on prayer. We see this emphasis on on participation in the body of Christ. Romans chapter 12 verse 6 says that having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So the Bible is clear. If you are a Christian, God has given you 
spiritual gifts that He intends for you to use for His glory and for the good of the body of Christ. So, so serve. Use them. Be a part of the fellowship. That's a, a habit that you and I should live out. Now, David Matheson's book, Habits of Grace, did us a great favor because I've read other spiritual discipline books and there are just uh, lots of chapters about lots of different disciplines, lots of different habits, but he sums all the different habits up into three categories. And I found that very helpful. I'm a summary type guy. And, and the summary was this. We need, to, we need to hear God's voice. That's when we open the Bible, we hear God speak to us. We need to have God's ear. That's when we pray and He hears us. Amen. And, and we need to be a part or belong to His body, the body of Christ, the church. We need to serve and experience the fellowship of believers consistently if we are going to change. And, and here's the point of the habits of grace. If you hear his voice as you read the Bible, if you have his ear when you pray, and if you belong to his body, God will use those means to change you. That's just how it works. And if you neglect those things, you probably will not see accelerated, continual, steady, consistent growth. And so... Habits of grace are God-ordained practices. Taking God at His Word, doing what He's told us to do, living how He's told us to live. So these God-ordained practices are things that we are to do regularly. That's the next phrase. Habits of grace are God-ordained practices that we are to do regularly. Now turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. First Timothy 4, verse 6, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. So follow the word is what he's saying to Timothy in the church there in Ephesus. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, this verse is the reason we have the phrase spiritual disciplines, because some translations say, discipline yourself, there in verse 7, discipline yourself for godliness. The, the ESV here says, train yourself for the purpose of godliness. The word that is translated discipline or train yourself is the word we get gymnasium from. That's the Greek word there. And it speaks of an athlete that exercises, that, do, that does what's necessary to be victorious. So, there is an aspect of these habits of grace in that we are to do them regularly. The Olympics start in February, the Winter Olympics. You better believe those athletes are training regularly. Right? They're going to they're gonna perform and excel and, 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 and uh, strive for victory. They've got to do the habits that will get them there regularly. Not hit or miss, regularly, consistently. If you don't do something regularly, listen to me, you can't call it a habit. Right? 
You don't do it regularly. You can't, you can't call it a habit. So a definition of habits of grace is this. Habits of grace are God-ordained practices that we are to do regularly as, this is important, as a response to grace. As a response to grace. Over in Romans chapter 6, verse 14, we're reminded through the writings of Paul that we don't live according to the law. We live according to grace. In other words, we need to understand that God has been very, very good to us in Christ. In Christ, we have every spiritual blessing, Ephesians 1, verse 3. He has been good. He's, he's reconciled us. He's adopted us. He has forgiven us. He has redeemed us. He has sealed us. And we don't deserve any of it. It's all grace. If you're saved this morning, it's not because you just kind of figure some things out. It's because God has worked in your life, drawn you to himself, allowed you to hear the gospel, showing you your need for a savior. And if you're saved today, it's because of God's grace. God's grace. If there's anything good in your life going on, it's it's grace. Anything. So listen to me. God has poured out his grace upon you. The cross declares that you are, listen, perfectly loved. So these habits, this is interesting, these habits, they, they, they don't get, get God to love you anymore. They're not twisting of God's arms saying, God, would you love me more? He already loves you perfectly. These habits are a response to God's perfect love and grace. Because here's how we begin to think, right? I didn't have my quiet time today. And uh, boy, my, I'm, I'm going to have a bad day. Things are going to go badly because I didn't have my quiet time. Now, there are some principles there that if you're not guided by God's wisdom, you can make poor decisions and, and things can go badly. But here's the flip side of that. I had my quiet time today. I read my Bible. All right. Ready for my blessings. Things are going to go great today, right? How many of you figured out that doesn't always work out? Right? But see, in a very subtle way, what we're saying is this. If I do these habits, God's going to like me more. If I don't, then, you know, I'm going to go down on his list. Almost like a Santa Claus mentality. Right? Right? Listen to me. God has poured out His grace upon you in Christ, the fullness of His grace. He loves you with a perfect, unconditional love. You are not to do these habits to try to get God to love you. You do these things because God does love you. It's a, listen, it's a response of gratitude for God's continual, unending grace in your life. So I love that phrase, habits of grace. You're not trying to twist God's arm to bless you. That's prosperity theology. That's TBN stuff. And that's false doctrine. If you're watching TBN, turn it off. Turn it off. We are people 
who have been transformed by God's grace, recipients of God's grace, and we read our Bible, and we pray, and we participate in church, not because we think God's going to bless us more, but because God has already blessed us. And we want to show Him our gratitude, our love. We want to love Him back, right? That's why they're habits of grace. Now, Certainly, there are things that happen when you do these things. I've already told you that. You're positioning yourself for transformation. But don't think you're getting God to love you anymore. He already loves you perfectly. So these these habits of grace are God-ordained practices that we are to do regularly as a response to His grace by the power of His grace. In other words... You cannot establish good and godly, consistent habits in your own strength. Hey, you've probably tried that, haven't you? How'd it go for you? How did uh, 2017's resolutions go for you? Right? I, I mean, we've tried things in our own strength and failed. We need to understand that if we are building these habits into our life, it is God's grace. Listen to what Paul says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. I love this verse. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. Paul writes, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Wow. Do you hear what Paul just said? He said, I'm working hard. I'm, I'm obeying. I'm doing what God's told me to do. But it's not me. It's God's grace in me. Helping me to do what he's told me to do. Isn't that awesome that God does that? Not only does he call you to do the right things, he gives you the strength to do the right things. We need him. Jesus said over in... John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. You need his help. If you're going to read your Bible consistently, if you're going to pray consistently, if you're going to be involved in the body of Christ consistently, you're going to need some help. And, and, and listen, if this sermon series does anything for, for us, I hope it does this. I hope we have a bunch of people crying out to God, Help! I'm not where I need to be. I want these habits in my life. Help! We could get some folks just crying out for God's help. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? This sermon series would be a success. David Mathis writes this, The Christian life from start to finish is utterly dependent on the grace of God. And so we are to... Practice these habits continually as a response to His grace, by the power of His grace. Listen, in order to encounter the Lord. In order to encounter the Lord. It takes us back to Luke chapter 18. What happens there? Bartimaeus is in Jesus' path and he encounters Christ. Over in chapter 19, Zacchaeus climbs up in a sycamore tree. And guess what? He's in Jesus' path. And what happens? He encounters Christ. If you will practice these habits, you are positioning yourself to encounter the Lord. 
Talking about rebranding from spiritual disciplines to habits of grace. I like that phrase, habits of grace, better. Nothing wrong with spiritual disciplines. I, I still find myself using it sometimes. But I love that idea of habits of grace. But there's another rebranding I, I've uh, tried to uh, live out in my own life. I was listening to a sermon by Jerry Bridges who uh, went to be with the Lord last year. And, and uh, he is uh, one of my favorite Christian authors. He's written some phenomenal books. And he was speaking about these habits of grace. That's what he was talking about. And uh, he talked about the quiet time. You ever heard the term? Raise your hand if you heard the term, term quiet time. Quiet time is the term that's been used in the body of Christ to speak of devotional time, where you open your Bible, you read, and you spend some time praying. And that's been kind of become the, the, the phrase, I, my quiet time. Uh, we, we learned that early on in church. And if you've been around church for a while, you've heard the phrase, the word, or the phrase quiet time, quiet time, quiet time. Nothing wrong with that, that phrase. Here's what Jerry Bridges said, and it changed me. He said, I don't call my devotional time quiet time. I call it my time alone with God because that's what it is. Now, tell me what sounds more appealing. Have your quiet time. Or, get alone with the God of the universe and spend some time with Him. I like that phrase, time alone with God. I try to use it in my own life now. I, I, I still say quiet time sometimes. I've been programmed, right? But, but I, I, when I'm talking about my devotional life, my time in the Word, my time in prayer, which we'll talk a lot about in the next few days or next few weeks, I want to try to be really, really practical. When I talk about that time, I try to use the phrase, time alone with God, because that's what it is. And, and listen, if that's what it is, that's highly significant, right? Time alone with God. Over in Hebrews 4, we're told that Jesus is our high priest. He paid the penalty for our sin, washed away the barrier of uncleanness between us and a holy God, Therefore, the Bible says in Hebrews 4, we are to draw near. You know what that means? In the context of Hebrews, it means that you and I have the privilege of going into the Holy of Holies anytime we want and staying as long as we want. Wow. Only the high priest once a year could go into the Holy of Holies, the, the place where the Ark of the Covenant was, where God's Shekinah glory would dwell and come down to rest among his people. But in Christ, because our sins are washed away, we can go into the very presence of God anytime we want. And we don't have to hurry. That means, listen, your commute to work can be time in the Holy of Holies. Your dining room table, your recliner can be the Holy of Holies. Your desk at work, your, the, the place you take your lunch break, it can be your holy of holies. Your front porch, your back porch, it, it, that rocking chair, it can, it can be your holy of holies. The middle of a coffee shop, noise all around, that table can be your holy of holies. Why? These habits of grace Position us to encounter the Lord, and here's the final phrase, and be changed. Habits of grace are God-ordained practices that we are to do regularly 
as a response to his grace and by the power of his grace in order to encounter the Lord and be changed. Luke 18, beginning of Luke 19, Bartimaeus, Zacchaeus, they're in Jesus' path and they encounter him. And guess what happens next? They're transformed. Bartimaeus is given his sight. Zacchaeus is saved. And he goes back to his house with Jesus and spends some time with Christ. And, and we see the change in his life. He wants, to, he wants to restore that which he had stolen from, from folks. A changed life as he encountered Christ. Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus illustrate an important truth. I learned this from Donald Whitney, who wrote a book called Spiritual Disciplines of the Christian Life. You can experience transformation when you put yourself in Jesus' path. Just like Bartimaeus, just like Zacchaeus, if you will put yourself in Jesus' path, you can be changed. Hear me, 2018 does not have to be the same as 2017, spiritually speaking. You can be changed. And these habits of grace, which we're going to unpack together, in a very practical way, these habits of grace put you in Jesus' path. That's what it's all about. Put you in his path. They're the means God has ordained for you to be changed by the Lord. So I hope this, this rebranding of, of these habits, not just spiritual disciplines, it's okay if you want to use that term, but these are habits of what? Grace. Grace. Now, before we close this morning, I want to give you a word of encouragement because we need encouragement when it comes to this. And, and I've asked the Lord to help me to just, to just to be encouraging and practical and to be helpful. I hope this sermon series doesn't make you feel like you're living under a weight of, of, of things to do. But, but you've been given some handles, some, some practical ways to incorporate these habits in your life. So here's a word of encouragement. You ready? There's a progression when you begin to practice these habits regularly. And, and just for a moment, I want to give you my journey with the habits of grace. My journey with the habits of grace. And I bet, after I give you these four words that are a progression, I bet that you'll find yourself somewhere uh, on, on one of these, or between these four words. The first word is the word deficiency. Deficiency. Deficiency is when you know what God's told you to do, you know the importance of being in the Word, you know the importance of prayer, you know the importance of serving in the body of Christ, but it's not consistent and you know it, and there's this kind of ongoing low-grade guilt in your life, right? I know I need to do better. I, you know, I need to, I, you know, I hear Pastor Wade talk about the Word, and I need to read the Bible, and I need to get a Bible reading plan, and yeah, and boy, I need to pray more, and I struggle with that, and I lose focus, and, 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 and you just kind of throw in the towel. But you know that those things are important, right? So there's always this kind of low-grade sense of deficiency. I'm not, I'm not where I need to be, and that's miserable. That's not how God intends for you to live. And in my own personal life, there have been times when I've not has been as consistent as I need to be. And I, and I feel that, that sense of deficiency. But I want you to know you don't have to stay there. You can go from deficiency to diligence. That's the next word, diligence. Diligence is when you have a plan. And by God's grace and strength and power, you begin to work out the plan. 
You have some practical things in your life, and you begin to incorporate these habits. That's, that's diligence, diligence, diligence. Again, it's got to be consistent. You can't be consistent in your own strength. It's, it's God helping you. Diligence, diligence, diligence. And, and you begin to see uh, uh, God's helping you in this. You go from deficiency to diligence. And here's what happens next. And again, this is happening in my own life. You go from diligence to desire. Instead of just doing these things because you're trying to be diligent and obedient and, and God's helping you, you begin to desire to do these things. Let me tell you what I've learned. The more I read the Bible, the more I want to read the Bible. Let me tell you what I've learned. The more I pray, the more I want to pray. Hey, the more I get together with God's people, the more I want to get together with God's people. Can, can I tell you that there's nothing this world offers that comes close to corporate worship? God's people coming together around the Word, worshiping the great I Am. There's nothing that this world offers that even comes close and the more I worship, the more I want to worship. I woke up this morning and I couldn't wait to get to church. The more you do these things, the, when you begin to be diligent, that diligence at some point begins to transition into desire. And it gets to the point where you can't wait for your time alone with God. You know my happy place? My happy place is at the end of my dining room table early in the morning with an open Bible and a hot, steaming cup of coffee. It just doesn't get any better than that. Got my Bible, got my highlighter, my pen, got my Bible reading plan, got my coffee, and it's just me and the Lord. There's nothing like it. I desire it. But diligence, listen, diligence had to come first. I had to put those things in practice continually to begin to see the, the value and the joy in it. Which leads to this. Deficiency leads to diligence. Diligence leads to desire. And desire leads to delight. To where your time alone with God, your time in prayer, your time in the body of Christ is not a burden it's, it's, it's joy. It's delight. Your soul is being nourished. Your, your life is being strengthened. You're, you're in the presence of God continually and, and, and over time, maybe not overnight, but over time, as you look back, you begin to see the transforming work that Jesus is doing. I want you to know, that because I read through the Bible consistently, listen to me, I'm not the same pastor I was five years ago. I may not be a better preacher, but I'm telling you, God's done a work in my life. He's changed me because of that discipline in my life, that diligence, which leads to delight, which leads to desire. When I look back, I can see His hand at work through those means. And you'll be able to see that too. And it's thrilling. And so these habits become delightful. 
No one can keep you from doing them because you want to. Over in Psalm 1, we know this is possible because it says that blessed is he whose delight, delight is in the law of the Lord. Amen? Delights are possible through Christ. And so, here's my word of encouragement. You can go from deficiency to diligence to desire to delight. Now, where are you on this, on this progression? If you're here and, and, and you're, uh, you, you know, you're deficient, say, Lord, help me to be diligent. If you're diligent, look forward to 2018 where he's going to transform that into desire. And if you're at a place of diligence and desire... Ask God to just make it an ongoing delight. And he'll do that. Where are you on this progression? Listen to me. God wants you to move through this progression. That's the picture we see of Christians in the Bible. Putting in place habits of grace for transformation. So what's the point? Let me give you the point and we'll finish up our time this morning. Here's what I want you to walk away with. You ready? Place yourself in Jesus' path by developing habits of grace. Let me say it again. Place yourself. I'm calling you to place yourself in Jesus' path by developing habits of grace. And what if a church this size, what if the majority of folks in this church took that seriously? And what if we all began to just put ourselves in Jesus' path. Can you imagine the transformation that would occur? Because it changes every area and every aspect of our life. It, it, listen, these habits of grace change your marriage, your parenting, the kind of friend you are, the kind of employer you are or employee you are. Your witness for Christ, the kind of neighbor you are. Hey, handle your finances. This will change all of that because you're in Jesus' path. And He's going to do that work in you. But listen to me, don't lose sight. The greatest thing about the habits of grace is you get more of Jesus. Is there any greater joy than that? You get more of Jesus. So in the next. Weeks together, we're going to talk specifically about the Word of God, prayer, and your, your ministry in the body of Christ. Fellowshipping, experiencing the body. Now, again, I'm going to be very practical. I'm going to give you some, some tools and some, some, some guidelines, some things to help you. But again, it's all about...